When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. What are those chimes, Jonathan? What are those chimes? Are those... Draft chimes you play they over are the best our sound Pumble ever. radio station? It is indeed the best sound ever. And what that means is that we are going to mock. And that does not mean, Jonathan, to mock and look at other people's mock drafts. No. But to spend the next hour of our lives, myself, Jonathan, and Sage Rosenfels, creating our own first-round mock draft, Sage when you were an NFL player, did you ever sit there and say, maybe someday I'll get lucky enough to be on the radio creating a mock? Uh, I never really thought about it. You know, <laughs> with the, plane, the only thing you really think about with the draft is that uh, you're, you're, you're uninvolved with it completely, completely. Like the players are completely separate from it. Uh, you're, you're training, you're working out, you're in those things, but the coaches are in meetings and, 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 uh, um, and I, I, you just hope that they don't draft somebody at your position. That's sort of <laughs> right. like what you hope. I, I remember uh, we had signed Jeb Putzier, uh with the with the Texans uh, coming from the Broncos with Kubiak, and and people thought he was going to be the sort of second tight end or whatever. And I remember him saying to, uh, I can't remember who it was, uh, one of the coaches, like, "Hey, are we going to draft the tight end?" And they gave him this look, like, "Yeah, we're going to draft the tight end." <laughs> and sure enough, they they drafted Owen Daniels. So. Um, but for the most part, players just hope that, uh, uh, that, that that players are not drafted at their position because that means that's, that's another person that could be their replacement. Yes. So we, uh, what we're going to do is go down the entire list until we get to 25 with the Vikings and make every pick and talk about them and see how the board plays out to the point where we get to the Vikings. Because the way that we've been doing it, which is really fun, and I encourage people to still send their draft simulations, is sort of letting a computer program do it for us. And Pro Football Focus created its own draft simulator, so we're going to play with that a little bit. And uh, Fanspeak has theirs. The Draft Network, there's another one that's out there that I've seen from people. So everybody's got their draft simulators. Um, but we are going to go old school mock here and go team Team by team. And I will say just that I don't know every single team's uh, detailed needs the way that their fan base might. So we're going to give it a shot. I, every, I don't even know if I know every team's head coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now that's a <laughs> you know, game there, for it's, you. It's a, it's a big league, and there's a lot of soap operas. That going is on, a I'm game. To... That is a different day's game uh, for asking <laughs> you. To, uh, there's a there's something. Or the that GM? They... Can you name? Can you name? Oh, uh, no. of, of all the GM, uh, well, how many can you name? Um, right I, off the top of your head, you think well, we went through all 32. You could get see. 16, right? I would say I would say 16. Yeah, uh, or at least yeah. to be able to describe them, like the. The Cleveland Browns, they got that new guy they hired. He's like analytics based, and like, does that count? That's that's close enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I think that counts as a wrong answer. Yeah, it probably so does count no as a wrong for the answer. Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, um, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe of course, but then there's also some cheats. There's some cheaters like the Cowboys. Like, you just know their GMs. The owner, so right. that doesn't, yeah. you know, that's an easy one. So I think there might, I might personally, you know, sixteen of them out there. I, I think if you uh, get half, be, you're in good shape. But because these things that change, might be about what I would know. And and who cares if the Jaguars change general managers anyway, right? Like that's not something that Vikings fans are paying much attention to. So it's I'm paying attention to things that Vikings fans would care about essentially, and the GM of the Jaguars is not one of them. So we'll try our best when it comes to other team needs. And I've done a couple of draft sims here. We've got our top 50 list from Daniel Jeremiah. These things will help guide us. And other mock drafts, Todd McShay did a mock draft recently. I've got that up on my computer. So we're going to do our best. But if we draft somebody wrong, Jonathan is going to do the Vegas Raiders. So if Jonathan drafts the wrong player to the Vegas Raiders, nobody lose your bleep, okay? Uh, that's, that's the disclaimer. So we'll we'll move through this and we'll talk about some draft picks and then the the goal here is by the end of the hour we want to see how things shape up for the Minnesota Vikings what the draft board looks like if we do the mock that is the goal so Jonathan if you could the chimes please those are some great chimes those are some great chimes they really give me somebody joy. came up with that like somebody got paid probably a decent amount of money and i wonder if it keeps going for coming up with that deservedly so I, well, I, they get paid I, by I, the I chime saw some, <laughs> i saw some random uh thing on twitter the other day and it was you know the nba song uh whatever the nba song is and i can't Rumble think Rock? of the guys and john tesh um I, tesh that john tesh was in the story of how he came with the nba theme one that and then they went up there and played it, and people just loved it. But uh, he called uh, I'm sure himself he made a lot right. Of money off that. He called his own. He called himself. Yeah. Yep. He, he called himself he, and left the voicemail on right. his own phone at home, uh, and made the noise. And he actually played it uh, at the concert, and then and actually played the fall. But but it was just like it wasn't. He didn't. He he, he recorded it by just saying it, mm-hmm. not even like using instruments or something in the background. So, so just like the rest of us, he was just humming it. He was the first person to ever hum round ball rock. So someone, yeah, someone probably was thinking to themselves, do 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 do. Oh. That's good for the NFL draft. So now we. I hope they made a lot of money because the draft makes a lot of money. So I hope that person made a lot of money because so, this thing, it's it's amazing what it's become and, and you know what it'll the the NFL will make money off of anything and the way that they're making money off of this thing. I mean, good for them. I'm not hating on them for it. The players get probably a piece of that in some way, but uh, this draft has become a whole other thing and it's a complete crapshoot. Uh, my my year 2001. I thought we had a pretty good draft. Our best player on that team of the guys drafted this year, probably career-wise, Antonio Pierce. 
undrafted free agent middle <laughs> linebacker from Arizona. You know, it's like Fred Smoot was a pretty good player, but uh, uh, it is a crapshoot, and and uh, and hopefully the Vikings have a lot of hits this year. Well, I love that you're on board with draft nihilism because yesterday I introduced draft nihilism to our audience and drove Courtney Cronin insane with it. But uh, the reality is of these general managers complaining that they don't have enough time to get everybody's pro days and interviews and everything else. And then you look through the history of the league drafting and there's no evidence that anyone's actually good at it consistently. <laughs> so Yeah. And it's like, you're, you know, I, I've had a very small patience for that the last few days. I've seen reports. I know, you know, John Harbaugh said there was concern about technology and, you know, people are concerned about the scouts not being able to all meet together and, of course, be together. And there's those moments where you say, hey, we need a corner who's, you know, college scouting staff, who's blah, blah, blah. And there's these last minute decisions. But I'm, you know, I just have everyone's making uh, some adjustments in this situation. Mm -hmm. And it's like every football coach says that to players. You know, fight through the adversity. Right. There's always going to be different issues you have to deal with. You might come to a look that you haven't seen before that we didn't practice. Adjust, figure it out, find mm-hmm. a way. Like, have a teleconferencing phone call. Find a way to get it done. You know, it's sort of like these kids are doing this stuff every single day uh, in school, uh, uh, Zoom and all these various things. I'm sure that with the NFL, with how big it is, billion-dollar organizations, uh, uh, people hired for IT all over the place, uh, people that make websites. I mean, they, they, they partnered with Microsoft. Like, I imagine you guys can figure this out. You'll you only okay. have about two right. weeks left until it actually happens. Well, what it's really about is making a lot of noise to Adam Schefter and the like so your owner sees those tweets and says, oh, I guess if we mess up the draft, it's because of coronavirus, not because... It's random or because we made some sort of mistake. I think that that's what it's really about is uh, sort of passing the buck on to somebody else, which, as you said, you would never say that to your players. Hey, you know what? If something goes wrong, blame somebody else. Or if you can, set yourself up so you always have an excuse. You (laughs) You would never say that. Remember Saving Private Ryan when they used, uh, uh, was it FUBAR? They use the word FUBAR, F-U-B-A-R, and like the the, the, the young soldier who's along, who's more of a, a writer, I think, is along and doesn't know what this word is, and they mm-hmm. say it's German or something, and he can't figure it out, and it's, you know, effed up beyond all recognition uh, is what it yes. stands for. Yeah, it's just right. one of those, like, that's a really screwed up situation that, you know, that you, that you see in war, of course. Well, in the NFL... There's a, a similar, a different version of that, but similar in the sense that it's just one of those, you just look at something, you go, CYA. That, you want know what CYA is? I do not. Cover your ASS. Uh, yes. That's what that is, <laughs> right. right? So you see you know, GMs and scouts and whatever like CYA. You yep. know, like it's yep. sort of a thing where everyone's trying to cover it. It's not my fault as to why that player didn't work out, or it's not my fault, or I want I, – it's amazing how many coaches I was. I wanted to draft that guy. You know, he's a superstar on some other <laughs> yes. team, and he was a lower pick. And I, I got on the table, and whatever GM wouldn't uh, wouldn't go for it. And you know, it's a, but they never talk about the ones, of course, they they miss on. Well, I was laughing yesterday at the fact that the Vikings drafted T.J. Clemmings in the fourth round of the same year they got Stephon Diggs in the fifth round. And then yes. pat, patted themselves on the back for it. Like, really, you know, if you knew he was that good, then why did you let him drop past the worst tackle I've ever seen? You know, it, it's it's amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the Patriots uh, are the greatest uh, football franchise, I think, in NFL history. They have that, that this unbelievable run they had for 
for the last 19, 20 years, and the best pick they had of them all, hands down, was a six-round draft pick. <laughs> right. I mean, right. So and he replaced the former a, number one overall pick, just to show yeah. how random this thing can be. So, you know, all the evidence says that the higher you draft, usually the better it works out, and uh, then the rest is just a coin flip on every single guy, and sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. And unfortunately, the Vikings have put themselves in a position where it really matters to get this right, but there's nothing to suggest that there's a skill to getting it right. So they have to just use the best logic they can, and that's how I always grade it, Sage. I always grade it on... Did your pick make sense at the time? So when you draft a center known for his run blocking and you pass on a future left tackle or pass on a weapon receiver like Marquise Brown or or A.J. Brown for the Titans, I think it's worth having some criticism over it to say, you know, you picked a, a position at 18th overall that wasn't a valuable position and you didn't have much foresight to see that you were going to trade Stephon Diggs or be left needing a left tackle or needing Riley Reef's money at left tackle. So I can criticize trying to you know draft a center to plug right in right away when centers are almost never ready right away. And there's usually a lot of wily old veteran centers on the free agent market that you can get for 900,000 bucks or something like that's how I evaluate draft picks. The Laquan Treadwell pick, it sure is. Heck made sense at the time. The guy was a dominant college player in the SEC. I mean, he was out jumping everybody for balls. I mean, I would have expected him to succeed. So I that's that how I tend pick. to do it. Like, I have no doubt saying that, and I said it on the, the radio a lot back then. I was The Vikings needed a receiver mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him a couple times in college, and, and he was a stud. It was like he was the best player in the field, it seemed like, in a lot of these games. and and But then after he sort of failed, when I went back and looked, what I noticed – uh, when I or sort of went back and thought about the highlights I was seeing of Treadwell, was that he wasn't blowing past people. You know, right. He wasn't really yep. getting separation. He was making great catches, and he was pretty good with with after the catch. But uh, he wasn't really great getting. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't have like that the top end speed or something. He was always sort of around people, not getting separation. And that's one of those things. As I as if I was in this world, you know, all these numbers they get thrown out in the combine, all these things. Like, what does the tape say? What is the the kid regularly do consistently do game in and game out on that tape plan and play it on that tape and, you know not just effort but uh is he skilled does he does he uh run good routes you know all those types of things can we make this kid into a to a really good player i think it's more about the tape than you know all these numbers and i know I, you know arm length is important for offensive linemen and things like that but but i'm all about the tape and, and less about the numbers yeah you can definitely uh, increase your chances by a little bit of logic. So, you know, just the uh, Lamar Jackson, for example. Like, if you take someone with that type of resume and let him drop to the bottom of the first round, well, you've probably made a mistake. And uh, to your point, that's why I have zero excuses for these GMs. They've got a full college football season worth of tape. If they didn't, if we were cut off midway through college football season, I would sympathize and say, well, you, you know, you only got a couple of games and Bama just played the Citadel, so what are you going to do? But, but you still, got the whole season. The, but everyone's on the same you know, uh, level here. It's not like some teams have some advantage over right. other teams. Yeah. Everyone's dealing with the basically exact same situation. Uh, and that uh, you know everyone's not going to be together in this room. And and I understand there, there's the aspect of trying to figure out. You know, I, I imagine when you know uh, a team is on the clock and maybe they're they're coming down to two players and somebody has 
you know, the brings up the tape real fast and you, you, you watch, you know, four plays of each guy and go, what do you think? Which one should we go with? And you go, okay, well, let's go with this guy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So, you know, because not everyone has seen everybody. You know, that's just the thing. There's no, no way the, the head coach can watch all these guys and, and on all these things. And so for everyone to be on board together, sometimes there is some last-minute adjustments like that. Uh, but for the most part, you, you'd think they got to have their boards and all these things, you know, you know, as, as strong as – the other, the last team, the other yep. teams. You yep. know, everyone's sort of on the, in the same, on the same boat on this. And one. weeks to prepare. They didn't just throw this at them weeks, the day before. Um, weeks months, to be ready. I mean, a, a month and a half. I would say. I mean, I got to think of early March. Um, and and was it was it, I, I feel like I feel like the this new world we're sort of living in here started on that Thursday night. Was it the Thursday yep, when, night when when Rudy Gobert got it? Yep, that's right. And, and the Tom NBA Hanks. had to shut it down. Yep. Yes, and and, and Tom Hanks also got it that night, and uh, or, or tested positive. And so I think at that point the world, like they they might have, you know, if you know anything about pandemics, you know it's not going to be solved in six weeks. So they, they got to think at that point, they they had a ton of time to try to figure out how we're going to do this. You know, what are we going to do? And they also can you know make those adjustments. Um, you know, early now and all with all this time, row, then, you know, it's not going to happen, you know, two days before the draft. Right. Uh, okay. So we've got to get going on our mock. So we've got enough time here to get to the Vikings picks. So Jonathan, again, with the chimes and I am on the clock. And as soon as the chimes end, I have my first overall pick. It's Joe Burrow. Right. I mean, there's really no debate mm-hmm. over this one. Best quarterback in college football, uh, dominant he wins the national championship, puts up all-time great numbers. He's accurate. He's got enough athleticism and playmaking. He's a franchise quarterback. Cincinnati Bengals taking Joe Burrow. So you are on the clock, Sage, with the Washington football squad. Well, so I'm on the clock, and I've already put in – I just put in my, my ticket, so we're good to go. But we got to talk about all the possibilities for a few minutes, <laughs> and then we have to go to a commercial break. <laughs> And we got to come back at the you know yeah. at the fourteenth and a half minute, uh, and now we're at fourteen and a half minutes later. And Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State. Did you consider your crew uh, there of draft people that you're on a Zoom call with? Did you consider Tua here? Well, we talked about it, and we just we we know we want to win with defense. You know, with with Ron Rivera. Uh, he got to have a good defensive end, of course, and you know he had Julius Peppers during some of their best years, and so we're going to go with uh, with the defensive end, go defense, and and try to be consistently in games, and and possibly still get a quarterback somewhere down the road. Well, since now I am on the clock with Detroit, I have fired Matt Patricia, and uh, I, yeah, yep, just the, the minute I took over as Detroit's general manager, I fired Matt Patricia, and I am drafting with the third overall pick. The replacement for Darius Slay, Jeff Okuda, cornerback from Ohio State. Uh, I think it's a good move to move on from an expensive corner in Darius Slay and draft another one who has a chance to be a high-end player. They've also added a good amount of defensive talent to Detroit this year, and he's a guy, one of the very few that I would say could step in right away and be a very, very good player. So. Well, well, there you go. And now we're, we're, we're even though Okuda was just drafted, everyone's talking about the Tua slide. 
everyone's oh, yeah. talking oh, yeah. about it. You they're know, showing we, him we on really TV on his FaceTime. Washington's got to get it. Of course, Detroit, they didn't take him now. And, and the Giants, they they got their young quarterback. I mean, is he the shoe-in for the Miami Dolphins at number five? I mean, how much do they like, they like Justin Herbert? We're still talking about Tua, even though we're actually talking about the New York Giants. I mean, this is the way this thing is going to go. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go with, and the Giants, you know, for years they won with defense, that was their, you know, with defensive lines. Uh, and I'm going to go with a linebacker, Isaiah Simmons, out of Clemson. He is a crazy good athlete. And we're seeing crazy heights and crazy numbers from the combine. There's He ran a, a, as fast as wide receivers, and he weighed as much as linebackers, and he plays safety, he plays nickel. He can do it all. This, is, this made the Giants automatically uh, a team that could be 500 or better in the NFC East. That's what I'm going with. Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Well, I think it's a, it's a great pick because the Giants' defense was a disaster last year. They have so much to make up for uh, on defense. And I liked what I saw with Daniel Jones enough to say, okay, you don't need to draft Tua here. You can go forward with him and see how that works out. Get the guy a couple more weapons who will stay healthy. Sterling Shepard was hurt last year. Evan Ingram, they traded away Odell Beckham. He did not have much to work with. The only other consideration I would say for the Giants would be either another star-wide receiver to sort of replace what they used to have with Beckham or to go with an offensive tackle. They overpaid like crazy for Nate Solder, and that hasn't really worked out. Uh, did you consider Makai Becton the tops, uh, top tackle or Andrew Thomas at this position? Well, I, I definitely considered wide receiver at this position. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. here, and here's why. One, they, as you said, they lost Odell Beckham. But two, there's sort of like a history of the NFL of when you get this young quarterback, you got to get him one great weapon. You know, I mean, uh, Matt, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, Julio Jones, David Carr, they went on to Andre Johnson. You know, I, I had thought at this spot, this, this would have made sense, but the Giants decided to go defense and not take maybe a risky player. Uh, uh, with, with uh, you know that wide receiver can be very risky uh, at that uh, at that fourth pick. So I think that all the Justin Herbert talk about going to Miami has been smoke screens by Miami to try and make people think that oh you don't want Tua because Herbert he's the real guy. But the tank for Tua has worked, and the Miami Dolphins up next draft Tua Tagovailoa, and they get what they wanted, even though they did not successfully tank. Thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick, they still got their guy, and I am picking Tua. He is the franchise quarterback for them, and who wants a slightly used Josh Rosen on the trade market? <laughs> yes, uh, and, and you know, maybe for a seventh-round pick. But, hey, you know, I was drafted for, or traded for a seventh-round pick uh, twice, I believe. So, you know, th- those things are those, did, did are, the guy ever? Great, did you ever look who the guy was? Those are great trades. Did What's you look that? who they drafted with the seventh rounder? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't go oh, into that. Oh, I would have done I, that. I, I, like to say, I like to say a cup of coffee. Uh, but uh, a seventh rounders twice and a fourth rounder once. Oh, so, I would have three, looked and see who they picked with my draft pick for sure. <laughs> we'll find that out one day. Maybe that's in June. Well, well, Tua goes from uh, you know I remember seeing an interview at the at Miami this year when he was down there for the Super Bowl on on one of the main network shows, and they were talking about you know uh, the L.A. Chargers or Miami, you know, good mm-hmm. He said, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Good weather, both places, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so he's he's heading down to Miami. And, uh, you know, we will see if he is the quarterback that breaks the long string, mm-hmm. included, the long string of quarterbacks <laughs> who have not lived up to one of the all-time greats, Dan Marino, which is a, pretty much impossible to do. But either way, 
they haven't really had somebody that they've just loved down there. And the the, the best the, the most the, the best quarterback they've had since Marino uh, left and became a great quarterback somewhere else. And that was Ryan Tannehill uh, uh, last year. So uh, that this is their chance of trying to trying to get back in the mix and and, and that much easier by the way AFC East now that Tom Brady is out of New England. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's safe to say that you did not live up to Dan Marino's career, Sage. Uh, sorry. That you, did you, not. You're right, no, it didn't happen. It's okay. Uh, you're on the clock now with the Chargers, and this is where things get real interesting because you could take a quarterback for the Chargers. They don't have one at the moment, but also it's a really good roster that you could draft somebody else to keep stacking around Tyrod Taylor for whenever they do get a quarterback. The L.A. Chargers, they're going to have this new stadium in the fall. They've got new uh, uh, jerseys and new looks to them. They've had the same quarterback for the last 16 years. They, they need something else new, too. And that's They're going to go with the quarterback. They're, they are what I think is going to be a reach for Justin Herbert. Now, he might okay. end up being a great player. He's got all, these, all the physical numbers. Uh, that you see, um, but I, the, the, what I see on film was not a great uh, a college football player. So, but man, he is an impressive looking athlete. Uh, he's a good, pretty good runner. Uh, uh, he's got a really, really strong arm. He's a really big guy, six six, I believe. Um, but uh, uh, the Chargers are going to have, and you know, he's, he's a West Coast kid too. He's from Eugene, Oregon. Played at Oregon, uh, so he's always been on that you know Pac-12 conference uh, part of the world, and and uh, and I think that'll help uh, sell some season tickets. Uh, a lot of Oregon Duck fans in Southern California, I think that'll help sell some season tickets in that new stadium with the LA Chargers. Okay, so as we go into the break here, here's what we've got so far in our live mock draft: Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels. We have Joe Burrow, number one, Washington taking Chase Young. Jeff Akuda goes to Detroit. Isaiah Simmons to the New York Giants. Miami taking Tua. Uh, Justin Herbert goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I will make my pick, and then we'll take a break. The Carolina Panthers need to protect Teddy Bridgewater and his uh, recovered knee with Andrew Thomas, the left tackle out of Georgia. Get the best tackle and start building up your offensive line because they have a weapon in Christian McCaffrey. DJ Moore is an emerging wide receiver. But if you're going to give your quarterback a chance, you better give him some offensive line. So Andrew Thomas is my pick. And we'll take a break. And when we come back, Sage, you are on the board with the emerging Arizona Cardinals who have uh, DeAndre Hopkins and still their first-round pick somehow. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll do that when we return. We'll continue our live mock draft here uh, on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to the mock draft of the first round of the NFL draft here between Sage Rosenfels and Matthew Collar in just a second. But first, we could all use a little help while quarantined. And thanks to our many great local partners, Score North Listening Rewards is here to help with some cash relief. All month long, Score North is giving you the chance at $25 to $200 in cash just for listening to us. 
for your chance at free cash. Download the Score North mobile app, register, and you could be a winner. Caller, you pointed this out. Darren Ravel tweeted this out a couple hours ago now. Wimbledon reportedly paid $2 million a year for pandemic insurance for the last 17 years for a grand total of $34 million. Well, for this year's cancellation as a result of the coronavirus, Wimbledon will reportedly receive $141 million for the policy. Hmm. They pay $34 million, come out $107 million. Yes, there's two ways you could look at that. In one way, you could say, I mean, good foresight. Why didn't you tell the rest of us a pandemic was coming? Um, The other way you could look at it is, so you're going to use the net $107 million to help people with pandemic relief, right? You would hope so. That's probably unlikely. Probably unlikely. You would hope so. Anything else on the nope. uh, download? That's, that's yeah. Well, that's it. you just got shocked by that. You, you got to feel great for the richest know you people get, getting richer. <laughs> I didn't know pandemic insurance was a thing. Uh, so, yeah. so, so, would you if it was a hundred and it was one hundred forty-one million dollars? So basically, and it was two million dollars a year. So basically, Wimbledon just bet that over the course of the next seventy years, one of the years would have to be canceled. I yeah. think that's a pretty good bet. Yeah. Right now, that as much as I know about, or I feel like I know about pandemics now, that like they're very possible, you know, uh, especially with seven billion people on the planet. So yeah, we are um, all finding out a lot more about pandemics than we ever wanted. Um, so hopefully, all of you who are listening are happy and safe. And uh, I saw Governor Walls said that we've been really good at social distancing, which doesn't surprise me, knowing the culture of Minnesotans. We sort of. Walk the other way if somebody's walking toward us anyway. Like it's a, it's a different. It's just a, I think it's a little slightly different culturally here than in other places that I've lived. So um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think generally Midwesterners are are sort of rule followers. You know, if they they we see the importance of things. I, I think yeah, not, not everybody. That could be it. In, listen, I lived in Miami for you know four <laughs> years, right? Uh, I lived in Houston for a while. So uh, you know, New York, all these places, and grew up in the Midwest and. And people are uh, way uh, less risky here in general uh, yeah. than in you know South Florida and, and other parts of the country. It's it's very interesting, even just walking the dog in Minnesota. It always has before pandemic, where when you're walking on the other side of the street, a lot of Minnesotans will just sort of you know keep walking or maybe maybe give you a nod there are other places in the world where they you would have to stop and talk to that person like in the south or even where i came from in buffalo people are pretty outgoing toward you but it's a little different here so i'm i'm happy that everyone has done their part and tried to socially distance and download podcast versions of purple daily well maybe that's just you could be i'm very i'm very good at this I am I really like good I, at this. I talk to people and I'm walking. If I run into them for some reason, uh, you know, maybe it may just you. It could be, uh, but I, this has always been my way. Is I, I told my wife now how everyone goes to the grocery store and if they see one other person in the aisle, they run the other way. Like that's how I've always done it. So you know, uh, so it is I, I was, you. I was Wait, you were you were like you were talking in the third person. You're like when you're you know, walking down the street and, and 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 people walk up and you walk the other. You do that. Well, there's you walk the other I mean, way. there's the evidence here that Minnesotans have done a good job with it. So I'm saying that I'm not alone in doing this. It's just how I've always been, where I try to get into the grocery store and get out. I don't like crowded places. I don't go uh, to bars and things like that because there's too many people around and it makes me freak out a little. Um, which is weird because I have to go to sports stadiums all the time. But you're I, like an introvert. Ex- manage that, you're like an so. introvert extrovert type of. Yeah. Person. It, yeah. I mean, to yeah, be yeah. on the radio, you have to be an extrovert. 
right? right? And then in other way aspects, I feel like you're also an introvert. But if I'm broadcasting from the fair, even though I don't mind meeting people and who listen to the show at the fair who come up and say, hey, listen to you or whatever, uh, but the amount of people around at the fair really stresses me out. So it sort of tells you, it's, I think it has to do with a lot of people being around anyway. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty built for this. Give me NFL Game Pass and some video games and some mock drafts, and we're good to go. Yeah, I, I hope we can. I hope we have a state fair this year. I yeah, that, yeah. Uh, not optimistic. The, I, I keep saying to people, the, the sort of the more disciplined we are now, the sooner hopefully we can get back to something later. It's like yes. the, the more lackadaisical you are, the the longer this thing is going to go. It's like we're, we're, we, we are going to create our own... Uh, a little prison for a little longer than I hope. Hopefully, it needs to be. So, I, I, good job, Minnesotans, so far on really trying to be disciplined and, and keeping your distance and and respecting everybody else. All right, back to our mock. Arizona is up. You are on the board, Sage. Arizona with the eighth pick. So obviously, you know they just got DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the, the the wide receiver. So they're loving that. Obviously, Larry Fitzgerald across the way probably in his last couple of years. But you know he might be one of those guys that just keeps signing these one and two year extensions mm-hmm. forever. Uh, but they need an offensive lineman. Yes. They need somebody to protect this young quarterback, and they want a big guy. So they're going to go with Makai Becton. From Louisville, he is a huge guy compared to big Bryant McKinney of (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings. And I can see in that style of offense with that little quarterback having a huge left tackle would be very beneficial for all the passes that they like to throw in that Cliff Kingsbury offense. And so the Vikings are kind of looking and saying, oh, there's a couple of those tackles that we want to drop, but those two guys aren't going to drop. And now another position is the Jacksonville Jaguars come up, and whoops, I've fired Doug Marone. So there's two coaches that I've fired as the general manager. I've got another one coming up in two picks, don't worry. Uh, but Jacksonville, they need some weapons. If uh, We're going to find out if Gardner Minshew can play or not, and I'm going to give him people to throw to. He's got DJ Shark, who is a good wide receiver at over 70 catches last year. We're going to give him a stud, and if we want to replace say, Gardner Minshew with, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year, he's going to be throwing to Jerry Judy from Alabama is who I am going with. Yes, he is off the board now. The top wide receiver in the draft, in my opinion, goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So now you are up, and your buddy Kevin Stefanski, you guys are in the draft room in Cleveland. Well, here's the thing. We're in the draft room in Cleveland over here, and you know Kevin just got hired as the head coach, and everyone really likes him, super likable guy. We've got like four or five different people who who they all are sort of equal. They're you know everyone no you know not, Kevin really has like almost no power probably in this draft at all. But they look at all the statistics, they look at all the data. There's that GM who looks like the guy who looks like the guy who's got the numbers or something you said earlier. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we don't I'm know his name, but he's got role, the numbers. And this is my big opportunity. Uh, we've got this young quarterback we like. We also need an offensive lineman. That was one of the big weaknesses. Uh, of of the uh, of the Cleveland Browns last year was offensive line. They got the receivers and they got the the running backs. I'm going to go with Iowa offensive linemen because you know Stefanski's been in the Minnesota for a long time. He's seen these Iowa offensive yep. linemen yep. left and right, and Tristan Wirfs, who just put up stupid numbers at the combine, yep. he is going to be perfect in this Stefanski offense. The outside zone, you got to have guys who can run, but he's also a good pass blocker. So he is sort of everything that this offense, he's the opposite of, of, 
um, the guy drafted earlier, uh, the the big offensive. Yeah, Beckton. Um, yep. Beckton, because you know he's again Bryant McKinney type. This is just a more athletic guy, and he's going to fit perfectly into Kevin Stefanski's offense. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Uh, that is a terrific pick and a great fit. Now I'm up with the Jets, and up oh, darn, I just fired Adam Gase. Oh, man, what a shame. You hate to see it. There's three coaches that I have fired just in this draft. You're like Dan, you're like Dan Snyder GM. Yeah, that's basically. right. I just fire all. Tell me that any of the coaches I have fired don't deserve it, but that's I beside the point. I agree with all of them. Yeah, it's, you know, it's... The, the draft is meaningless when they have those head coaches there. So it's, yep. you know, so yeah, you're right. These players anyway, so will the matter Jets, next the, year. The Jets don't have a head coach, but uh, who's going to be the first-round draft pick? Uh, it will be from Oklahoma, the guy who helped Jalen Hurts put up a lot of those yards and uh, a lot of yards after catch, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver. We've got a first-round quarterback. I am not super high on Sam Darnold's first few years, but we're going to give him every chance here with a star wide receiver from Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb, which puts Jonathan on the board now because he's so obsessed with the Vegas Raiders that you are <laughs> drafting twice. You are Mike Mayock and or John Gruden. I'm okay with that. We need wide receiver in Oakland, so I'm going with the with the next best wide receiver on the board, who I think is my best wide receiver on the board, Henry Ruggs the third, because it's Oakland or it's Vegas, it's the Raiders. We love speed. This Gotta guy ran a four two seven. Yep. Give me Henry Ruggs III from Alabama. Okay, I like it. So that brings up me again to the 49ers, and then you are uh, Tampa Bay coming up next. So i got to think about this now. The 49ers The have, 49ers have this pick because why? why uh, because they, they traded... Um, oh, they, tra- they traded defensive linemen yes, this year. Yes, they traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. So that's, where, so that's where they got this pick. Yeah, for a first round, and then the Colts pay them a bunch of money. So now you would think that this would be an area where you would draft a defensive lineman, but they are so good along the defensive line that I think the way I'm going to go here is I'm going to continue to stack up on the defensive side. Richard Sherman is not going to be in the league that much longer, so I am going to go with C.J. Henderson, the outside cornerback for the Florida Gators, here to the 49ers so he can train with uh, Richard Sherman, he could play across from him possibly in his first year, keep stacking up and keeping that defense great, and uh, give them a, another cornerback. And, uh, you know, I thought about going with maybe another offensive lineman to help them out in their great run game, another weapon possibly, but uh, in this case, I'm kind of looking down the road a little bit and giving them the most athletic corner. So that brings you up, Sage, with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who wants to play with Tom Brady? Well, it's you. Uh, they have the wide receivers, so it's in one of those positions. You got the quarterback, and, and a lot of times they 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 would you'd think try to get some more weapons for Tom, but they already have two very very good wide receivers. I think they go defense on this one, try to make the games a little bit easier for Tom to mm-hmm. win. And somebody who has slid down a fairly long ways from Auburn, Derek Brown, a defensive tackle. A lot of people had him drafted in the top five of this year's draft, but he slides down to Tampa. And even though they might have some other needs or maybe an offensive lineman for Tom, they go with a, a player that uh, has slid uh, and, and they pick up a, a defensive lineman, Derek Brown. So my guess is they would get some criticism for this pick because they brought back Indomitian Sue, but he's like 32 years old. And they already have Vita Vey there, but if you're talking about creating a Williams wall to some extent and completely shutting down opponents' run games, Derek Brown would be your guy. Which brings me to Denver, and there's a lot of different ways I could go with Denver, but 
I'm always of the mind that if you have a young quarterback, give him something else to work with. So let's give Drew Locke another offensive lineman and go with Jedrick Wills Jr. for Drew Locke. He's going to be protecting him. He's a right tackle. And uh, I don't know what their left tackle situation is at the moment, but I don't think it's great. So we're going to give another tackle to Drew Locke in Denver, and that puts you back on the board with Atlanta. And this is where, the, and this is where the Vikings are starting to really start to pay attention here. Like, okay, those are the guys that have uh, that had first round high grades and are supposed to go there. But now here's where it starts to get hot. Well, now that is, you know, the Vikings now currently are they're not too far away from from moving up, right? I mean, right. they could, yep. they got uh, they don't they don't need to move uh, two first rounders to move up, uh, you know, four or five six spots, but. You know, you add a fourth to it or a third to it, and, and they got all those picks from uh, the Stephon Diggs trade. So they do have a little extra ammo back there in case they need to use it. So at this time, you got to think they've got a couple players that they that are sort of the guys they really think. They're also obviously looking at the, the teams ahead of them, mm-hmm. seeing who they think they're going to draft, and and uh, and trying to be ready uh, uh, over their Zoom app that they're all using on their cell phones currently. So Vikings <laughs> are waiting in the wings, yep. being patient, and there's some discussions I'm sure going on. But anyway, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they also go defense, uh, and they go with Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. This is a guy that sometimes drops in draft sims, but in this case, uh, somebody who would have been perfect for the Vikings to be their three-technique pass rusher next to their new signee, Michael Pierce, but he's off the board, and I think that's a very good pick for Atlanta to put him next to Grady Jarrett, and then you got some serious, dangerous guys on the inside. That brings me to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Dallas Cowboys lost their top corner in free agency, Byron Jones, he went and signed elsewhere, which means, and I might be reaching here a little bit, but I am going to take Trayvon Diggs. I am looking, if I'm Dallas, to get that shutdown corner, that guy who can play a lot of man. He's really athletic. He's lanky. He's strong. And so I am going with Byron Jones's replacement in Dallas, Trayvon Diggs, which puts you on the board with Miami. Do you know the Miami Dolphins fight song? Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. Do, 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 do. Miami Dolphins number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Have you ever heard T Pain's version? T Pain did what? a version of it. Yes, I, my first preseason game, we we kicked a field goal or something on the first drive, or maybe we <laughs> scored a touchdown. And this song goes, it goes in the stadium. I'm like, what is? It? I thought it was like kids, <laughs> you know, it was a preseason game. Maybe they had like a kids special on tickets or something. But it's like a it's a kids song. And anyway, that was just uh, random Miami well, fact for the folks out there. Maybe we'll find it and we'll we'll play I'll, it. I'll uh, tell the, you though that the skull chant threw me off because I was like, I've never heard of this. What is? What is Skull, right? I mean, I I was in Buffalo. I didn't cover the Minnesota Vikings. I never heard of this thing. I'm like, why are they chanting about the dip that you put in your lip? Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, at the stadium, Googled this, like, Skull Vikings. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Did everyone else know that before? They've been, listen, they, Skull has been an official team sponsor for 48 years. <laughs> uh, they've had a great relationship with the team. The players, when they watch film, they get free packs. Everyone gets so many. Uh, it's just, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you think Minnesota Vikings, you think Skull chewing tobacco. That's funny. Uh, you know, I, um, 
Yeah, well, I would say that it's more rampant in NFL locker rooms than people think. But anyway, you're on the clock yes, with the Dolphins. I, We're running on time here. I am. I'm on the clock with the Dolphins, uh, and they, they just got this fancy new quarterback uh, in Tua, and they're going to give him a wide receiver, Justin Jefferson okay. out of LSU. Vikings are now looking at it going, uh-oh, a lot of receivers coming off the board here. Vegas again, Jonathan. Well, since you guys took all the wide receivers that I wanted for a second wide receiver pick and Trayvon Diggs went off the board there, I'm going to go with the safety to pair up in my backfield. I'm going Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh, okay. All right. Good pick. Well, there's another guy that the Vikings would consider that is off the board. So uh, now, Sage, you have Jacksonville coming up next here. This is the Jalen Ramsey trade pick, I believe. And uh, you don't have Doug Marone because I fired him. Yes. So uh, he can't help you with this pick. So, so this is where um, uh, Jacksonville, uh, they aren't happy enough at quarterback, and they have seen that a couple Ooh. of these guys have, uh, have moved down. And you know, there was thought that maybe Jordan Love go out. They're going to go with Jordan Love. They're going to roll the dice. They're looking for the supposedly next uh, Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love is definitely not Patrick Mahomes. But there's certain characteristics about him that you know he's athletic in the way he throws and he sort of makes plays and and whatever that people like to compare him. But they they need a quarterback and they they like the guy they have. But they're gonna they don't have much uh, a capital right now spent in salary cap dollars or draft picks on quarterbacks and they're gonna go and, and move up and and maybe pick Jordan Love too high. Uh, maybe he's a little bit of a reach here, but uh, they, they, they li- they've liked him, and they're going to draft him. Okay, well, interesting. All right, so the Vikings don't have any of the quarterbacks to entice them when they come up. I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, the continuation of rebuilding their secondary. It's been such a problem for the last few years, and I am going to select A.J. Terrell, the cornerback out of Clemson, for Philly to go along with Nikel Roby Coleman and Darius Slay. So they have another guy that they could start to build up their secondary with. They've always been able to rush the passer. They've still got guys who could do that. Their linebacker situation is not great, and there's good linebackers on the board, but corner is so, so valuable. So the Philadelphia Eagles take A.J. Terrell. And here we are, Sage. The Vikings are on the clock. Lots of good players available. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings select A.J. Ebenessa, defensive end, okay. Iowa. The replacement for Everson Griffin. And for multiple reasons. One, they need that replacement for, for Everson. But two, this guy is already NFL ready, and that's huge. Uh, that you know, Playing for Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, uh, the, the way he has played, he's very consistent, not going to have an off season here. Uh, you, you're going to take a chance with a guy maybe at wide receiver the, these other positions because he just you know they're not going to have all the practice time whatever defensive mm-hmm. end. Yep, he you can just plug him in the dirt and he plays football. Yep, uh, and he basically he's up the field or he's underneath. He doesn't have a lot of responsibilities and this guy can play right off the bat week one. He will be the starter. Uh, on the right side of that defense. Okay, so that leaves the potential at the Vikings' next pick of being still wide receiver, corner, offensive tackle would be the favorites. In between, uh, I will take with the Patriots Patrick Queen, linebacker. They're going to continue to build up their defense because that's the only way they're going to win next year. And that puts you on the board, Sage, with the Saints. The Saints. The Saints go with Xavier McKinney, a safety 
out of Alabama. Again, another guy uh, coached by basically a pro coach in Nick Saban in Alabama. He steps in, starts off right off the bat. Okay, let me tell you about my board now, since this is a tough pick, and we'll assume that uh, you know I'm Spielman and you're George Payton, and we're having this conversation. So we can take uh, since the top corners went off. We could take Jeff Gladney, who's a corner out of TCU. Uh, we could look at T. Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson, to try and replace Stephon Diggs. We could get uh, potentially offensive tackle Josh Jones or another really interesting pass rushing prospect, Caleb Von Chason, who has not been picked yet either. But I think in this case, I have to protect Kirk Cousins at some point in this world. And even though Mike Zimmer is gritting his teeth at not taking a cornerback here with Jeff Gladney still on the board, I am going to go with the Houston tackle, Josh Jones. So, how do we feel about that, Sage? Well, we we feel that it's a position that's sort of always in need. You always can upgrade that offensive line. It's uh, but this this leaves the team now with uh, out of the first round, and they still uh, need to draft a corner and they still need to draft a wide receiver. So two guys that uh, that have to, or even two corners, but they still have some openings at some starting spots, and now they're, they're out of first-round draft picks. So they'll have to get those in the second and third round. So in this particular scenario, I'm thinking that what they would do is, since none, neither of us took you know, Denzel Mims or T. Higgins, that there would be a possibility they would try to use some of that draft stock in the second round to move up to take whatever wide receiver hangs around there, if that's possible, or whatever corner. I mean, Damon Arnett is a guy who's a corner out of Ohio State. I mentioned Jeff Gladney. So there's still some good prospects there. There's still some good wide receivers. Uh, Here would be my plan, Sage. Now that we've gone defensive end and we've gone offensive tackle, my plan would be either take two wide receivers in the middle round or take two corners in the middle round. Whatever is not the best for you at... The, the the second round pick, you take two of them in the third and try to play your odds. Um, I don't think Mike Zimmer would let it get to the third round before they started picking corners if we did go with this scenario. But I also think that you know Josh Jones is super valuable to them because you have to down the road replace Riley Reef at left tackle and you're going to have Kirk Cousins at least for 2020 and 2021 unless something really shocks us and he's traded away after this season but it doesn't seem super likely so if you're going to get the most out of Kirk Cousins and continue to compete you have to protect him so I went with the tackle but um, there's a lot of ways to approach this after if they come out of the first round without a corner it will be pretty surprising and I, and I think they will draft need this year more than almost in years past because they just have these uh, what I look at as really four needs uh, as as far as completely unfilled positions from stars, from what we've seen, again, you know, we don't know if the, some of these backups can can step up and, and fill in those spots. But you you had talked about earlier, uh, I believe on Monday, about uh, getting good value for receivers in the second and the third round. You know, my year, Chad Ochocinco, he was a second rounder. Steve Smith, mm-hmm. uh, the Carolina Panthers uh, cor- a receiver, he was a, a third round pick, I believe, or fourth round pick. Uh, so you can get some really good players uh, in those lower rounds that 
Um, and, and, and there's probably just as much risk. Uh, and you can, I think you can also can find some, some corners. You know, Pat Sertan I played with, he was a great corner. He was a second-round draft pick. So, fortunately, the Vikings do have more picks this year than they have in some of these you know, more recent years when they've made a couple of trades here and there. But uh, I know this, they don't have that fifth-round pick, right, that we trade for the puncher kicker. <laughs> that did not work kicker. out. So that would that'd be Corey nice Vedvik. to have right now. But, you know, sometimes trades don't always work. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to uh, – if they go tackle and, and uh, uh, defensive end – um, and, and with the first round picks, you, you got to think it's you know wide receivers are coming up soon. That's for sure, and, and corners. Yeah, the way that this board plays out, the way we did it in our mock, there are all sorts of opportunities for wide receivers in the second round. Denzel Mims, T. Higgins, Jalen Rieger, all these guys are pretty good uh, prospects that could step right in for the Vikings. And that might be the way that they have to go. Ignoring corner would be a pretty tough proposition for them, um, but it might just have to fall this way. If if I were to if I were to not take Jones, then I would definitely take a corner, and it would be Jeff Gladney or it would be Christian Fulton out of LSU, who, by the way, is joining the show on Friday. Uh, he's going to come on. Um, but he's another first-round, second-round type of prospect. They're going to have all sorts of options here. Michael Pittman, Jr., at USC, and that's one takeaway every time I do a draft sim or a mock sage is that when they get to 22 and 25, the options are going to be so numerous for them to get a, a first-round or high first-round caliber player, and in the second round, there still should be starters available. And like you said, a lot of starters come from the second round. Well, you know what's really interesting, and I don't do these mock draft things like this. I, I think this is the first time I've ever you done loved in my it. life, actually. Was, um, so much joy in your voice. I know, but uh, and it was an interesting experience. But what I uh, noticed when I did it, um, and you know, you have I have a list just sitting in front of me from a couple of different websites and other people's mock drafts and what you know all these. You got to call it your board. Yeah, well, it's, it's basically a bunch of websites. That's my board over here, and and seeing, but same as everybody else. It's amazing else, after like, the top maybe eight to ten picks that ev- it's just a scatter after that. Yep. you know, there's yep. people all over the place, and you don't know how things are going to go. And, uh, and everyone's very, very different. I mean, what I'm looking at here, uh, th- this guy has, uh, you know, two going to Jacksonville with that 20th pick. And, like, he's going to be the guy that falls all the way down. I mean, that people aren't really talking about that, but, you know, that could it's actually possible. happen. Yeah, it, it's it happened. It changes all, the, all these different things, you know, and, and, and then trades occur also. Uh, you know, it seems like the Patriots are always one of those teams that trades out of the first round because they can get, like, two second-rounders. Uh, or even a high second rounder that's like eight picks, uh, you know, below and getting get more value, more draft picks, and so you never know what's going to happen. But um, uh, you know, I like I like the guys we picked though. I like uh, uh, I, I do like Espinosa. I think he's going to be a, a very good pro. He's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys that's just going to be either like really good or just like super solid uh, for you know for ten or twelve years. I totally agree that uh, you know his combine was overblown, and if that helps him drop, then you take him. So. All right, well, this was fun, Sage, and uh, when we get together again, maybe we'll have some more NFL moves, or we will just be one step closer to actually drafting, and then we can break down what really happened. So that will be fun, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. We're getting closer every day. Talk yes, to you on Monday. yes, we are. Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman correspondent. When we come back, we will talk to an actual draft expert, uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. He does the incredible PFF draft guide, which is 1,100 pages. 
So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he works all year on it. So we're going to talk to him about uh, the draft guide, and I might or might not just do a draft sim right now and make him grade it. We'll talk about that when we return. Here you listen to Purple Daily. Minnesota sports fans, we know you're doing your best to stay home, and we're here for you at Score North through every step of the coronavirus pandemic. Got something to say about Minnesota sports? Want to tell us why we are wrong, perhaps? Leave us a mic drop message on the free Score North mobile app. You may even hear yourself on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, or that free Score North mobile app. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. We are back here on Purple Daily and uh, Mike Renner for Pro Football Focus. You want to hang on a second, Mike? I'm uh, completing a draft simulation. PFF has a new draft simulator. Why don't you talk about that while I continue to draft sim? Yeah, hopefully it works. <laughs> we had too many people on it this morning when we released it and it got a little bogged down. But, yeah, it's been something in the works that it's actually, don't, uh, don't let the secret out, but it's for our analytics team to better sort of predict uh, what's going to actually happen in the draft using kind of the wisdom of the crowds approach to get uh, just some better draft content and better uh, draft ideas for you guys. Well, that is very interesting. Yeah, I tried to log on early this morning, and it did not work. So I'm using a, a separate website at the moment, uh, but I will circle back. Uh, it, it's good to have something shut down because there's so much interest in it, I suppose. And, uh, Mike, I, I got to say, your this year PFF, your draft guide, has taken it to a completely different level and is just downright ridiculous, and I worry about you. Like, there's, <laughs> there, there, there's so much detail in this. The thing is fantastic. And I wonder, as you were putting it in there and you have more data that's ever existed, you have where everybody lined up. I used this in an article about Antoine Winfield Jr., all the different places that he lined up. Was there something as you were pouring through more data to include in this that really stuck out as, I don't know, a a trend? Or you went, huh, Well, that might be more valuable than we thought it was before? That's an interesting question. I think... Uh, man, that was really tough. Uh, I, I think that the trends that I kind of have seen is more towards these, uh, receiving backs and, and trying to get guys involved in the receiving game. And in years past, you'd have guys like Devin Singletary or others who just never got targeted in their respective offenses. And I think now guys, if they know they're going to be top running backs, and I think that was even Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin last year they start to get featured in these college passing games. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes from like 15 targets to 66 targets this past year. So uh, I do think that that was one of the biggest things this past in this year compared to previous years uh, is just you got to see guys and how they looked as receivers, whereas, you know, like I said, Devin Singletary, I think Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, these guys weren't even, weren't even thrown to sometimes. So uh, that if, just off the top of my head, it was one that really came to mind. So how does that in your mind, because I think this applies to some extent to the Delvin Cook potential contract extension, how does that change the value of a running back when they play a big role in receiving out of the backfield? Because it is a lot of short passes, it is a lot of screens, but I do think that history tells us that there's a skill to that. Uh, It's not just, hey, throw anybody out there and just throw them screens, because Adrian Peterson wasn't exactly great when it came to throwing him screen passes and and things like that out of the backfield. Does that change your feeling? 
ceiling on a player because you know the don't draft running backs thing is big and don't pay running backs is, is big. But when I looked at Delvin Cook's impact on the passing game last year, I thought if he's going to make an argument for a contract extension, it probably exists there more than anywhere else because he was exceptional at it. Yeah, I think it's just something you have to do. It has to be, it's a value add in today's NFL, and it's really where the biggest value is, is separating yourself in the passing game, being able to not be limited in that regard. Like if your offense coordinator wants to scheme up something for the running back, not having to take you off the field so that someone else can execute it. So I think that that uh, really is, you know, all the data PFF points to the receiving game being, you know, where running backs can really separate themselves. And, like I said, getting these guys a bunch of targets, you got to see who really has the route running chaps, who really can and really can do that, and who mm, might not have more than just you know throw them a swing swing screen, and that's about all he's going to be able to do. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting factor in how it works out for the Vikings. And then there's another world where, and this is just what's interesting about running back value, Mike, is um, there's another world where you would consider, if you're the Vikings, trading Delvin Cook and drafting another running back in the third, because whoever you draft in the third is going to be a really damn good running back because none of them are being taken in the first, or maybe there's one every year who's taken in the first. So you end up in the third round getting the fourth best player. I think that there's a math formula that makes that a good idea. Yeah, I mean, we're proponents of that. I think you want to take a chance on a running back pretty much every year with how often they get injured and how like how, how many come out. There's still a crapshoot at the position. Like it, You still don't know, even though... Like a lot of the top guys end up producing the most because they get the most chances. You really don't know who these guys are coming out of colleges. So I do think that third round, fourth round is where you find, you know, the value at the running back position and probably where I start to get on board with drafting running backs if I ever ran an NFL team. Okay, Mike, I have my uh, draft sim completed now. I can stop dragging my feet. Here's what I came away with. And you just give me a grade. Tell me how you think I did. I got Jeff Gladney out of TCU with the 22nd pick for the Vikings. Uh, LaVisca Chenault Jr., I think is how you pronounce his name, 25th. At 58, uh, Jalon Johnson, the corner from Utah. And then I drafted in the third round two interior linemen, uh, Cesar Ruiz and Natani Muti. I'm not sure on the, exp- uh, on the uh, pronunciation on that one, but how did I do? Knocked it out the park. All now, right. Jeff Gladney and Jalen Johnson are my two favorite fits for the Vikings at the cornerback position because of uh, basically what Mike Zimmer likes to run defensively and what they've already shown to be capable of doing at TCU and Utah, respectively. Gladney played a ton of quarters, a ton of like split field coverages there at TCU under Gary Patterson. That's what Zimmer runs. That's his MO is those split safety looks. So he's already adept at the coverages he'd be asked to run there in the first round. LaVisca, I think he's a top 20 player when healthy in this class. Now, health is the biggest issue. He had surgery after the combine on his groin, so I worry about that. But I think he is a weapon and adds some speed to the Vikings that they desperately need uh, now that they lost Stephon Diggs. And then those interior linemen. You got the two of the top three on my board there. Tanya Muti is my favorite. I think he's a massive, massive upgrade. Would be a massive, massive upgrade over – Gosh, the left guard from Ohio State, whose name is blanking me at the moment, that they really need to replace at this point. (laughs) Yeah, that they really need to replace at this point. It's Pat Elfline. Yeah, Elfline, there we go. Cesar Ruiz, I don't think he's even 21 years old yet. This guy's young, coming out, really productive at Michigan, can play any interior spot. So I think you just solved their interior line issues as well. 
We're all set. Yeah, you're welcome, Vikings. And uh, if it falls this way, I think people would be very pleased, especially Mike Zimmer, to get his two corners. And I just, I think, Mike, with this, they have so many needs that the way every board falls and every draft sim and every mock draft is that they could go a number of different ways. So my question is, how do you figure out in your mind uh, what fits are they always talk about? Well, it's got to be a scheme fit. It's got to be this or, or that for the right situation for each player. And that's one of the toughest things for me because I look at your data. I read what other people write, but not breaking down every play of Jeff Gladney. I think it's harder for me to figure out, okay, is this guy going to fit with certain kind of defenses? So how do you do that for when you're putting together mocks every single team? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it really is. You have to really watch the tape and know these teams scheme and how they like to you know play their defensive back some of it you can glean through i mean just looking at our data we have press numbers how often teams press how often they're off what coverages they run and like i said uh, i mean zimmer's scheme has been kind of more or less like his he has what he likes to run the split field safety stuff cover four uh lets the safeties really play downhill and that sort of thing and then guys kind of play off for the most part on the outside uh, and again, that's what Gladney ran. TCU Gary Patterson is very similar sort of defensive, bat, like he has very similar defensive principles at TCU and what he's ran over the course of his sort of tenure there to what Zimmer runs and, and what they like to do with the split field looks, you know, a ton of quarters. So a ton of off coverage from Gladney and his grades in press versus off is much, much better in off. And an undersized guy, you really don't want him trying to press. He got physically manhandled when asked to do that. So I think. Like all those things sort of factored in, make make him a good fit for the Vikings. So yesterday on the show, talking with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, uh, yesterday on the show I introduced draft nihilism to everyone, uh, which is none of this matters and it's all really random and whether you screw it up or not if you're a general manager. And this comes from them complaining about the draft going off when it's going off. But how do you weigh the odds? So you guys look at all these analytics and everything else and you study the tape closely and you write your massive, uh, you know, your massive draft report and everything else. But if you are, say, a good team versus a bad team, your odds are still going to be somewhat similar just based on you all have scouts, you all know who basically the top players are. But how can you give yourself percentage points, better chances to make the right draft pick? I think that's what we do at PFF and what we're looking for is kind of, not say eliminating outliers that, you know, if they did succeed, it would be surprising guys who grade extremely low in college, who just aren't productive. If they do turn out well in the NFL. That'd be surprising at certain positions. We found it guys who are you know extremely on the low end for athleticism or size or some certain trait for the position, having them succeed in the NFL would be an outlier. So just kind of, not taking the chances on those outliers, I think is what gives you a better, you know, not taking that poor athlete in the first round, despite maybe as good tape, but Jarvis Jones is of the world. Don't take that chance. Uh, even if you love his production and love his tape, just wait on the guy like that. I, I think is the biggest thing we've learned or we see here at PFF and how we kind of construct our draft board. And then the second biggest thing is besides outliers is don't take outlier value positions. Don't take the positions that aren't going to impact you for winning football games. Like George always says, uh, George Shahuri here at PFS says, you're trying to draft to win a Super Bowl, not to get the rookie of the year. You can draft Saquon Barkley. He can win rookie of the year. and You can still have a terrible football team. <laughs> right. So don't draft the positions like center, unfortunately, for the Vikings that aren't going to really move the needle, even if the guy does hit.
Well, and that's something that I talked about a little bit yesterday, too. It came up on the show, just looking back at last year's draft. And this is something that I was curious of your opinion on, uh, because the Vikings could have gotten a future left tackle in Andre Dillard. We'll see how he turns out. We still don't know yet. Uh, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, receivers, they could have replaced Stephon Diggs. And by this time last year, they knew Diggs was not happy. So you might have had some foresight there and said, these are positions we don't have to replace right now, but might have to replace later. And that's one. One of the things that I think, Mike, can get a team in a position where they make mistakes is if they're trying to, as our friend Sage Rosenfeld says, CYA, which is save your ass, or SYA, save your ass. Uh, but if you're trying to save save your job with drafting for this year, that's where I, I think you get yourself in a lot of trouble unless you're taking one of the absolute top players at the draft and then you expect them to step in right away. And that's the difficult thing as an outsider to say, hey, you know, make the best decision long term, whatever, when we're not the ones who are going to lose our jobs, if, right. you know, if they don't win 10 games this year. We're not the ones who are hanging in the balance here. So these guys do have to balance that sort of pressure, that exterior pressure to win now, to turn it around right away and not go through, uh, you know, not miss the playoffs again. So it's difficult uh, to, like, I can't, I'll obviously criticize because that's my job. But I won't be able to know what that's like to feel that pressure to, like I said, win right now. Yeah, and I think that was the mistake that they made last year. And I like Garrett Bradbury still as future prospects going down the road. But if you expected him to come right in and stop Kenny Clark right away, well, (laughs) then you made a mistake. And and in terms of the draft value, like you said, center is just not, unless the guy is a generational talent at center, uh, picking him at 18 is not really a, a good value pick. Uh, so, Mike, I, I'm, I'm curious about what's been happening recently with the conversation about Tua and Justin Herbert. Because last time I checked, they haven't played any games in quite a while. And yet, the draft stock of these guys keeps fluctuating every other day. So, uh, how do? why is this happening? And where do you think it plays out with Tua and Herbert? And are there smoke screens, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I think that's your final question right there is why it keeps fluctuating every day. It's because you're getting these smoke screens. Smoke you're getting screens. posturing. You're Love getting teams trying to, you know, feeding a reporter some info to try to see what's biting out there. But I do, at the end of the day, truly believe that it's going to be a bidding war between the Dolphins and the Los Angeles Chargers for Tua Tagovailoa. If he's healthy, you know, he passes all his medicals before the draft in these upcoming weeks. You're going to get a bidding war for him. And then I might, I wouldn't even be surprised if Herbert, if the Chargers, so Chargers don't win, don't pick Herbert. Dolphins don't win, don't pick Herbert. I wouldn't be surprised if he just slips out of that top 10 mm-hmm. entirely because every sort of, you know, sort of like the independent evaluations of his game, objectively, besides the arm strength, is not good. Like yeah. anyone yep. that watched the tape, you can tell. And then, uh, like the whole personality thing about being, is he a leader or not for Oregon, sort of coming up small in big games. I just don't think NFL teams are going to really, when they get this guy you know, in their rooms, they're going to fall in love with him the way they'd fall in love with Tua, the way they'd fall in love with the Jalen Hurts. So I do think that that's what ends up happening at the end of the day. Uh, and kind of the whole, all the Herbert pumping up, is all a bunch of smoke at this point. Yeah, I think faster Ryan Mallet is the way that I might describe him. Um, but you know, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's not that bad. But anytime a guy is six foot six and we go, boy, you should see how hard he throws the ball. <laughs> like, does that win you games? Um, last time I checked, uh, Drew Brees throws at about fourteen miles an hour, and yet he ends up with 
you know, 114 quarterback rating. So anyway, um, it's just it's just a weird thing that it seems the NFL is really obsessed with height, but I think that they're starting to come along a little bit here. So, uh, Mike, before I let you go, always awesome stuff. Who is the best fit for the Minnesota Vikings in your mind that it would be a home run and it's realistic? Like you would say, oh, my gosh, they got the best player for them. I think Jalen Rager of TCU is the best right out the gate in terms of can replace what Stefan Diggs brought to the table as a deep threat. I, I think he has that speed and that downfield ability. You're not going to replace this whole route three right away. You're not going to replace that. But you just need the speed there. Like if you just have Adam Thielen and then, you know, old BC Johnson, you're not going to threaten teams deep. That, that sort of mm-hmm. that downfield threat, teams are just going to squat on. And that's not where Thielen really wins necessarily quite like Diggs did. Thielen right. wins at the intermediate level. Teams are going to squat on that. And teams aren't going to respect, you know, going down the football field if you don't have that speed. So I do think Jalen Rager, TCU, uh, he brings that to the table immediately if that you just need in that offense. All right, Mike. Well, your coverage has been outstanding. I have been binging on the two-for-one podcast, which is you and Austin Gale. And uh, go to pff.com. You get the draft guide, which is incredibly detailed and and fascinating. So awesome stuff and uh, really happy for you guys. We're almost there, Mike. We're getting there. I know. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Thanks for having me on now. Yep. We'll talk to you again, Mike. Thanks. Uh, Mike Renner there, Pro Football Focus. yeah, the uh, Justin Herbert thing is fascinating. I, I'll never understand the obsession with a guy's height when there are quarterbacks who consistently succeed at six foot, six foot one, six foot two. I mean, Kirk Cousins was thought of as being a little too slight, and he has come out as a fourth round draft pick and had a really, really good career in the NFL. And that was part of the criticism on him. So, uh, all right. We have a few minutes left here in this segment, and we are going to have Judd Zolgad in to come up next on, you know, what is going on with this team in terms of when they will fill some of these positions? Will they do it after the draft? Will they do it on draft night with trades? And we're going to discuss that. But we have more uniforms to discuss, Jonathan. Did you see that the Falcons have brought out their new uniforms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to say, we all gave the Tampa Bay Bucks huge high marks. Just congratulations, great work. You went back to your classics. You got rid of that abomination that you had for a few years. Good job. And Atlanta comes out, and I'm looking through these as it sort of debuts on the video that they make, and they've got an all-white version with just ATL over the numbers. Yes. I'm in black nice. hel- black nice. helmet all white. Okay, all right, all I can right. do that. I wish the Vikings would go all white on the road more often. Oh, be nice. Um, I don't know. They there's used to maybe uh, what's that? They used to go all white. I mean, there's yeah. the shirt in yeah. the studio right now that's showing Randy Moss mooning the Green Bay crowd. And that's I know. all white. They had all white, great. and then the stripes, and it's it was similar. It was the purple version of what Atlanta's doing. So I could get down with that. Okay, mm-hmm. all white is fine. You're going on the road with it. They've got an all-black version with the black helmet, and there's some red trim in there, but again, the ATL, and it's sort of these blocky numbers. All black. I could get down with all black for mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, And there, there's uh, another version that's white on top, black on the bottom. That's fine. That's like your standard Atlanta Falcons. So I'm, I'm cool with this. Nothing groundbreaking. All right. Okay, Falcons, you're in good shape. Historically, they've had pretty good jerseys. I like the red ones. Uh, and well, the, that, the red helmets, I like that. The original Deion Sanders ones. I think the one you're the the black top, white bottom one you're talking about. 
Is that the old school classic one? Um, it might be. I, it I don't looks have, like I it the from the closest look here. Is it? Is it the classic one? It is. It's. I think the one from the nineties where. Okay, where good. It's, that it's works. All black. It's got the white number with the the red outline of the number. Okay, yeah, that would be the nineties logo. That's great. So they're doing fine. Good for you, Falcons. You're putting out a jersey that looks a l- like a little bit retro, a little bit classic, and then very sharp with the all black. And then they have what they would call in America a sore thumb. <laughs> That's <laughs> the gradient red fades into black on the top. It. Which, if you remember, this was a thing with NFL gear in the nineties. Mm-hmm. They had these hats and these jackets that did this gradient thing where it would sort of fade into the other team's color. This has been a thing in my sport for the past couple of years. Soccer. soccer, yeah. The the Atlanta jersey legitimately looks looks like Manchester United's jersey from last year, if you look it up, with the red gradient down into the black shorts. It's exactly the same look. And it's so bad. Yeah. It's just, it's not. I don't get it. It's never looked good where you have one color fading into another color. Mm-hmm. When you have red fading into black. Like, what? Uh, and this is an abomination of a jersey. Why would you do this? Who designed this? Someone who was frozen for two decades and then what also brought means, back to life? I, what what happened here? It also means they can't pair the red jersey with the white pants, which would be a good look. Yeah, but They can't if, do it because you have the red fading into the black, which needs the pants that are black. You it, can't have the white pants with that. Right. Otherwise, it looks bad. If they had gone all red... With black pants, Ooh, that's, that's a good look. That is a good look. That's fine. All red's a little bit too much. Red top to bottom. Yeah, I agree. A bit too much. So, yeah, that that would be a good look. But no, they but I'm all, great I'm all right with a lot of color in any jerseys. I mean, mm-hmm. the NBA has gone. I think I made this crack the other day, but they they've gone all. Everyone has dark blue. Like, yeah. why do the New Orleans Pelicans have a jersey that's dark blue? And then they baseball debut one baby blue. That's, yeah, baseball. Everybody's everybody's the same color. So if you have something that's real snazzy and different, all right, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take something that's a color rush type of jersey. Initially, when the Vikings announced their color rush, I went, hmm, I don't know. That's that's Still a little vibrant. But a lot of people like it. A lot of people really like the color rush. I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent about that one. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't rip it i wouldn't make fun of it because a lot of people have them a lot of people Mm -hmm. seem to really like them and the buffalo bills had one that was all red there's some other teams like that i don't hate it when they try to go a little outrageous but this red fades into black just looks abysmal so uh somebody else pointed out that teams that don't uh win a lot and aren't that relevant are always changing jerseys true thought man that is true uh another note from today by the way is that uh Tom Brady did a 2 hour interview with Howard Stern mm-hmm. so like think about that sentence we we are in the land of some weird stuff that goes on in the world now a 2 hour interview in which he not only said he doesn't have any resentment toward Bill Belichick but also talked in detail about Gronk walking around the locker room naked so those are your headlines from that. But uh, Tom Brady, do you find him obnoxious or do you just think, well, that's sort of what a quarterback is? I, I go back and forth on this. Someone who is, first of all, cheated to win at times mm-hmm. and also lives this ideal, perfect life, has the very square jaw. He's tall. You know, he's uh, always so well dressed and everything else that almost anything he does can come off as annoying. And when 
you go on an interview with Howard Stern, he gives a bunch of information about all the sorts of different stuff, but then says he doesn't resent Bill Belichick at all. I, I don't know, man. There's part of me that doesn't believe that, and then there's part of me that might just believe it, just because what we know about Tom Brady and the weird lifestyle that he tends to live. I I don't think he's obnoxious. I just think that's what he thinks he has to do to be as good as he has been for his entire career. I don't think it's obnoxious. I just... I, I I respect him as a quarterback. I would not want to live that life because that's just too much rigorous uh, planning on every little thing you do in yeah, your day. Yeah, yeah, That's just too much for me. And I couldn't eat avocado ice cream. No, There's that, no way. No way. I, I just, I always want to ask other people if they find Tom Brady obnoxious because, I mean, one, uh, from Buffalo, so, you know, you might just... that just You have might that built-in bias. Right, exactly. Uh, or if the, I don't know, all-American quarterback who just is sort of smug and can be petty and lies to you uh, about deflating footballs, things like that along the way. And then to go on any interview for two hours and say yeah. a bunch of stuff, including talking about your uh, the anatomy of your legendary tight end, and then to say you don't resent Belichick at all. It's like, why would you even do the interview if you're going to just lie? <laughs> right? I mean, that, I guess that's my Tell thing. The truth. Then why are you in Tampa? Yeah, well, why'd you leave? Right. What, if if there's twenty they, years of success, and if you don't hold any resentment towards your old coach, then why'd you leave? Yeah. Why so would you stay with the place that brought you success? I don't know how people look at it in uh, in Minnesota with the Patriots. I think we might have talked about it years ago when the Vikings played mm-hmm. a, against the Patriots, and most people said, "Well, we just respect them." So yeah. maybe it is a different perspective when you haven't been in their division. Uh, people in Buffalo would say about Aaron Rodgers, like, "Oh, he's just great." And in Minnesota, they can't stand Aaron Rodgers for a number of reasons. So, um, I don't know. I, I have no interest in hearing him talk about stuff for two hours, especially if he's just going to be completely full of it when it comes to something, in my mind, that is pretty obvious that he has resentment against Bill Belichick, and that's why he left. Otherwise, you don't go to Tampa. Uh, so let's take a break. Judd Zolgad's going to come in here and... We continue our wait. This is sort of like Zolgad Watch, where we continue our wait for what the Vikings are going to do next. That's when Zolgad comes in here on Purple Daily. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together, and you can hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. Jonathan here with the Score North download powered by Pod MN. You can join Score North as we partner with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to help make sure our area children continue to receive the meals and care that they need during the coronavirus pandemic. Thanks to Louisa Rise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution enables the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis to donate. Please visit scorenorth.com keyword donate. Also over at scorenorth.com right now, we are up to number three in Judd Zolgad's top five Vikings quarterbacks of all time, as voted on by Patrick Royce, Phil Mackey, Matthew Collar, and Judd Zolgad. The number five quarterback, according to their rankings, was Warren Moon with Tommy Kramer coming in fourth. So go check out who number three is in that list that's for free over at scorenorth.com and the free scorenorth mobile app right now 
PodMN is the number one source for local and on-demand Minnesota audio. D- discover hundreds of unique podcasts produced right here at home in Minnesota. Download the PodMN app on Apple or Google Play stores. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. So you asked me about your top five Viking quarterbacks, Judd. Yes, sir. I didn't include Favre because it's a one-year wonder, just like I didn't include Case Keenum and I did not include Randall Cunningham. And that's what made this poll so much fun because uh, because Phil's philosophy differed from mine and yours. Your, yours differed from mine. Royce's probably came as close to mine as you can. But the fact is, that's what makes this so much fun. And I thought, Matthew, that picks three, four, and five were so interesting because it speaks to one thing. How few truly great quarterbacks this franchise has had for any period of time. Oh, it's remarkable. It really is. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. That's why I did this, because because that's the starting point. Is Tarkington's one, no debate. Yeah, no doubt about it. After that, I think I think two, which is going to be unveiled tomorrow, might be obvious. It might not be, but three through five is a free for all. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And and okay, so if you wanted to make the case to me that the best quarterbacks in Minnesota Vikings history are guys that had one year wonders, and that you could put Randall Cunningham, Brett Favre, and Case Keenum on the list as three, four, five, and go Tarkenton, Dante Culpepper, and leave off Tommy Kramer or Wade Wilson. You could make that case to me. I mean, those guys went to the NFC Championship game, and that's farther than most people ever went. Uh, even ones like Warren Moon, who played longer for the Vikings and won more games and put up more numbers. Mm-hmm. Or even Kirk Cousins has put up more numbers and played longer than any of those three guys. But if your peak is NFC Championship, uh, then you deserve to be on the list of all-time great Viking quarterbacks. I think it has to be... The accumulation, and if you just played for one year, even if that year was great, yep. it's hard for me to say you were an all-time great franchise quarterback based on one year. Sure, and and Cunningham not making my list is, I'm guilty of one thing. Full disclosure, recency bias. I saw Favre's year, I covered it, it was incredible. Uh, but if you if you swapped... Uh, Cunningham into 2009 and and took Favre's 2009 and put that back in 98. And I cover the 2009 Vikings with Randall Cunningham, a quarterback. I probably sw- switch or flip my, my votes. It's based on, for me, the, the recency of seeing Favre play in 2009. I saw Cunningham as well, but it's more recent what Brett did, and I covered it closer. And then my my vote for Kramer comes from growing up watching him play quarterback. I was a big fan, and and I think the one thing, and this is where quarterback discussions to me uh, become so intriguing too, is if you just call up the the Pro Football Reference page, right, and you look at the seventies or nineteen eighties QBs, mm-hmm. you sort of plug your nose and go, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's only a handful. Oh, of guys. yep. But if you saw them play. It affects you. Yeah, and it, for sure. And in the case of Kramer, I saw him get hurt numerous times because the league basically encouraged you to smear the quarterback. Like, the league was like, you want to hit the quarterback? That sounds like fun. I once saw Kramer on the field at Met Stadium convulse and thought nothing of it. <laughs> the man is, I'm not kidding. Yeah. He's, he's flopping up and down. Yeah. And I was a kid and I thought, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, there are definitely things that change uh, in your viewpoint. There are players who you thought were way better than they are. 
there are players who you didn't realize how good they were because maybe you didn't like their team. So a lot of Miami Dolphins for me growing up, like Dan Marino would have been a guy that mm-hmm. as a kid I would have said, overrated. They kill him every time. Bruce Smith sacks the bleep out of Can't him. Can't even He's get to a Super Bowl. Good. Right, exactly. Can't even get and back. Then you look back and go, eh, that's a bad, that was a bad opinion. <laughs> uh, this is pretty good. Yeah. And for sure, the the same thing goes with hits and injuries. And when I watch old games, seeing how guys used to just lay out can and you take that, each other's brains out. Yeah, I mean, I can because I saw it. But, but when, like I, now when it, I go back, it, it shocks me sometimes. It, it jars you now. Yeah. I was watching Steve Largent's A Football Life, and he took a hit from somebody's elbow to his face that uh, knocked him out for quite a long time. And they're like, well, yeah, he was knocked out for five minutes. I'm like, five minutes? Yeah, which is oh my like God. eternity. Yeah, so by know, the way, things have changed quite a bit. It's hard to evaluate even Vikings quarterbacks because the, the numbers that Tommy Kramer put up yes. were good for that time. That show is so good. A Football Life. Oh, it's amazing. You were exactly amazing. right. It is built for a quarantine. So good. Off the top of my head, without even looking, I named you 12 of them. I know. That are really, really the good. The Oilers 93 one is off the charts. Yes, yes. The Browns 95 one's really, really, really yep. good. yep. But the the Oilers ninety three is I incredible. I had forgotten how much happened to that poor team. I know. I had completely forgotten the amount of things that transpired within the course of one year. That, that ultimately, if you put it all together and how poorly things were run, played a large, large role in them winding up in Tennessee. Yeah, and you think about how if they had been a better run organization, maybe Warren Moon ends up in a Super Bowl at some point because those teams had the talent. And anybody who blamed the run and shoot for them not getting there, I think, is is <laughs> foolish. But certainly the team chemistry and the coaching staff's bickering uh, within themselves and a player dying uh, after Kill, killing, killing himself. himself after getting in a car accident and killing his friend. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So much happened. So there's ones that focus on a year. There's ones that focus on specific players. And anybody who wants to see them, Game Pass, some of these are on YouTube. Game Pass is also free for the next like month and a half. So if you go to NFL.com slash Game Pass, you can just sign up and watch it. Go to NFL Originals. You can watch all of these. And that's where I've been doing it. I've just been, you know, click on the next one, click on the next one. Who can we consult to get a 2010 Vikings? Or nine, but a 2010 would be so good. Okay, that's a good question. What is, what's the next season after 2010? So 2010 is clearly the nod for if you were doing in a football life or 30 for 30 documentary on a Viking season, the roof collapsing, far of coming back, all those things, it's number one. Yep. What's number two for you? Good or bad? Just crazy. I mean, just the wildest season. I, I think you do it on how many crazy things happen, how okay, many unexpected things happen. Nationally, I, I would do 2010. I would probably do a two-part one, though, which starts with 2009. Because you, you've got Favre comes back. It's, uh you know, there's all of this goofy stuff. He comes back, Childress picks him up at the St. Paul airport, drives him while a uh, while a copter from this place, Channel 5, follows him. This never happens here, right? Yeah. Yep. There there is a huge crowd outside of of Winter Park. There's a guy in a chicken suit. I mean, honest to God. So I think What's the story with the guy in the chicken suit. Uh, he was uh, he had a he had a lunch boards advertising something. And he came and stood on the corner in a chicken suit with this lunch board all day. 
Um, but I would go 2009 into Whoever 2010. Whoever that person is, if you listen to this show, contact me. It was the greatest ever. And Chip and I are just like, is that kind of chicken suit? And I said, yeah, man, he's in chicken suit. Uh, <laughs> and then probably nationally, I would do next, I would do 1998, just yeah. on, on yep. that entire year. Now, a local one that would be great fun, 2005. The Will's first year, Tice's last year, the love boat, Culpepper's knee in Carolina explodes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the national interest in 2005 would be there. Probably not. From, just from a local standpoint, just the love boat thing and Fred Smoot and all of that stuff. But I think nationally, uh, 2009 slash 2010 two-part documentary on those two Vikings teams, Matthew, would be off the charts great. And it's definitely my bias of having moved here at the beginning of 2016, but the starting with the Teddy injury mm-hmm. through 2017 NFC Championship, is documentary worthy and uh, may or may not be working on something on 2017 uh, that we're going to roll out soon. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, as soon as Bridgewater's knee collapses and then you just have all these other events that happen throughout that season, Adrian Peterson gets hurt right away, Mike Zimmer's eyeball falls out, and Norv Turner quits, and you have the guy hanging from the truss. You have the plane going off of the rails in uh, in Green Bay. Yep. Like all these things, one thing after another. Yep. And then my favorite factoid from that season, which is while well, we were all watching the guy hanging from the banner, that the Chicago Bears pulled off the Philly special play, yes. which the Eagles ultimately stole and used in the Super Bowl on the same field yep. to help them win the Super Bowl. I mean, that that same just, end zone, the, right? It might have been. Yeah, I think it was the far from our vantage point in the press box, far end zone. I think it might have been the same side of the same end zone that they pulled it off in the Super Bowl with. Yeah, that's one of my favorite yeah. sort of factoids. There's so so much goes into that You're right. that you could do a football life or thirty for thirty on kind of those two seasons and how they were able to overcome the Bridgewater injury, but not quite enough. And then someone else played on their field, which they were almost the first team to play on the home field. And uh, anyway, so go go watch those. Start with if you want to see the best one, it's Curtis Martin. I don't know if you've watched that one yet. I've not but yet. That is hands down the best one. But there are dozens that are great and informative and shockingly emotional. Like football is a super emotional game, and a lot of times some of these backstories of these people mm-hmm. are truly moving and how they made it over things. Uh, I wanted to ask you because Sage and I did a mock draft, a full mock. In the first hour of the show, I actually got Sage, Sage to did do this. That? Sage did this, yes. A full mock. So he made a bunch of picks. We gave Jonathan the Vegas picks. And I came away, or we came away with, for the Vikings, a yep. defensive end, A.J. Epinesa, and offensive tackle, Josh Jones. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that in the first round? The offensive tackle I love, absolutely endorse. The, the, if the defensive end is, and I'm going to say something I can't believe I'm going to say, and it's a complete cliche, but I believe it right now. If the defensive end is the best player possibly available, then it's fine. Yeah, uh, the I, offensive tackle, I, I just, I think you got to start somewhere there. Yep. But, but when it gets to um, splitting hairs between cornerbacks, wide receivers, defensive ends, I really believe with that second first-round pick, if you keep them both, if you are going to give me the best player that you possibly can, I'd buy that. Yeah. Makes sense? That's where it's hard because it's, you know, who do you start replacing first? 
you know, do you start replacing Everson Griffin, who's been hugely valuable to this franchise since Mike Zimmer got here? Do you start replacing Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes at the cornerback sure. position? E- even if you, even if you're taking the third or fourth corner off the board, is that better than taking the best edge rusher? By the way, on Griffin, I'm becoming less and less convinced he's gone. Oh, really? Because no one signed him so far? Think about how this is playing out. Like, these are very, very rare, not going to um, hopefully happen again times. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, if you're him, you you know the team. As far as I know, you basically live here, correct? Um, the team g- gives you an infrastructure that, for his purposes, is probably important. And I'm, I'm not trying to uh, make light in any way, shape, or form of his situation. But let's say you sign another one-year contract that's pretty good but not great. There's stability here. Yes. And and this whole, and as I told you before, Collar, this whole second wave of guys signing is not happening. Like, Clowney's just not signing. Uh Uh-huh, yep. And Griffin's just not signing. And I wonder, given Griffin's past, if somebody won't get to him and say, you know what, we can re-explore again for 2021. But for 2020, it makes a lot of sense given the current climate of what's going on in this world today, for you to go back there. It's true. He does play the position that you could most just throw somebody out there, though. Sure. The defensive end, you know what your job is. Go rush the passer. Get after that guy. And I'm sure in run fits, it's not so complicated that Everson couldn't figure it out in one training camp, having been in the league for so long. I'm saying more for his life, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I get that. What I wonder about with Everson is if he overplayed his hand, if he thought that something else was coming down the pipe, say he thought that the Seattle Seahawks were going to happen, and then he comes out and he announces, hey, I'm leaving, and within a day I expected him to sign somewhere else. You don't announce that you're leaving and then sit on the free agent market for two more weeks, but that's where we're at with this. And maybe it's slowed down in part just because teams want to figure out what they need after the draft. So if you need an edge rusher, but the board doesn't fall that way and you don't get one, mm-hmm. okay, we could sign Everson. But how much is he expecting to make? Well, that's going to be, yeah, that's the key question. Would he just not play if he couldn't make 7 to 10 to $15 million? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, Does he have a price that's so high that he just wouldn't come back as a Viking? I I think that your skepticism on that situation is fair, that he's actually gone, because the Vikings have done this in the past. They would be the most likely to say, yeah, no, we'll bring you back, because we know you and we like you, and Mike Zimmer made it very clear how much he wanted Everson Griffin back. Um, But if A.J. Epinesa is there and they love him, plays at Iowa, we know they love Iowa guys, Big Ten guys, if he's there... And you like him more than some of the corners or wide receivers who are there, and you pick him to replace Everson Griffin, and you have him and Afadi Adenabo, then there's no reason to bring him back. That's but true. if you don't, then that situation still kind of lingers out there, not being able to rush the passer as effectively without him. And I think anybody would just take him back, wouldn't you? If you're like, yeah, I don't care that you posted on Instagram you were leaving. Just, oh, yeah, yeah you come back. No, no, you're no. still trying to, you're trying to no. win here, so you would bring him back. No, I, and, I'd leave that door open. Yeah, and and plus too, it's it's very simple right now to come back and say things changed, right? Like yeah. if this was an ordinary climate, it'd be pretty embarrassing. Yep, but it's not. And so if if Griffin and Zim and Spielman all say, "Hey, you know what? We, we loved the kid. He's done. He's done right by us. Things went wrong here, yeah. and and you know things changed greatly. He's back." 
I don't think anybody would, would say, oh, that seems really, really weird. Now, next year it might, the year or a year ago it might have, but not now. So how convinced in, in your drafts are you that the Vikings are going to, should, or or are going to feel forced to, I guess is the best term, to take a receiver first round? Because I've heard a lot of debate from you, Courtney, etc., about that one. I am very much in the camp that they don't have to because of the number, the sheer number of really good wide receivers who exist in this draft. Mm-hmm. So would you rather take your shot with, say, Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins at 22, or I can give you two other guys who are in, cro- in close proximity to your first-round draft pick. So I can give you, say, Michael Pittman Jr. and LaVisca Chenault or somebody like that, or, or Jalen uh, Rager. Two other guys who are considered to be one slash twos, right? First slash second round type of draft picks. Mm-hmm. And I can give you one in the second, one in the third, some combination. I like that as playing your odds that you have to admit, as most teams don't, but you should admit that you're not great at this. You haven't been in the past. Many other teams haven't. I don't just mean drafting. I mean drafting receivers specifically. Right. No, like I'm Troy, with you. Troy Williamson and Laquan Treadwell have burned you. And with if Adam Thielen doesn't emerge the way he does in 2016, where are you right now? Yeah. You've got nothing and for wide well. receivers. Fifth round pick. So the odds are in your favor. If you look at the second round, third round, and I'll pull this up before the end of the show here. Okay. But the second round recently, second and third, have had a bevy of players who are wide receivers that have turned out to be really good, who were short on this or didn't have that, but ultimately <laughs> had one thing that they could do pretty well and ended up being really good. So I, I am in much support of, instead of saying, well, Denzel Mims didn't produce the most, but look at his combine and look at this or that. Which, by the way, I hate. Yeah. I, I hate. Yeah, I, know. I I would take guys off my board based on that line. Look at the combine. Yeah, right. Okay, so, it's not football. So last year, you have in the second round, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, two guys who were really, really good, D.K. Metcalf, who becomes quite good and dropped way down in the draft. Then in the third round, you have Deontay Johnson, who had a bunch of catches, and uh, Terry McLaurin, who was probably the best wide receiver in the draft. Those are all in the second and third round. Now, that's not the only guys who were picked. There were some that didn't play that well, uh, but you have a lot of hits there, and the first the first rounders were Marquise Brown, who's good, but uh, Nikhil Harry, who's awful. And last year didn't have this many first round wide receivers. You go the year before, Cortland Sutton is a second round pick. Anthony Miller's turned out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. DJ Shark is pretty good. He's a second round pick. Michael Gallup is a third round pick. That seems to be the area, second and third, where you can get a lot, a lot of guys who turn out to be very good, even going back a couple of years. Cooper Cup is a third round pick. Kenny Galladay's a third round pick. Juju Smith-Schuster is a second. It's a position that's very, very hard to figure out. So play your odds. Get two in the third round or one in the second, one in the third, yes. and draft your easier-to-predict positions like corner. They've been great at picking corners for the most part. Yes, Rhodes is a home run. Yes. Waynes is a good player. Alexander's a good player. And I still believe Mike Hughes could be a good player. Mm-hmm. So you're good at that. Mm-hmm. Draft that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to make a, a blanket Zolgadian statement to you, and I'm curious if you agree or not, and that's this. Positions like cornerback, to me, if you need one, are first-round picks. Positions like wide receiver, mm-hmm. if you need one, are not. And, and that's not, I realize sometimes there's top five guys, okay? So I'm not talking every single player. 
But I'm saying if you're drafting if you're drafting where the Vikings are currently, I think corners are first round picks. I think receivers are probably what you're saying, which is fine second or third round picks. Um I think elite elite defensive linemen can be first round picks for sure there. I think elite yep. probably tackles, offensive tackles are but my experience in watching drafts is that wide receivers can be found outside of that first round unless you consider that player to be a sure, let's say, top five to eight player. And and then it changes. Yeah. Do yep. you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I It's think, a very blanket statement. Well, I think part of it is there's just so damn many. I mean, there's so many great athletes. There's so many at many universities who played in good offenses with good quarterbacks that could step into the NFL and the athleticism difference between the guy who's going to get taken at the top and the guy who's going to take in the second is only small percentage points. Right. So a lot of times what you end up with is, oh, this guy's this great athlete and he killed the combine and we got to pick him. But the guy in the second round is a better route runner or he's great after the catch, something like that that translates a little bit better. And I, I would say that if you're asking the Vikings, if you're going to say, what do I believe that their organization would give me a great chance to select blank correctly mm-hmm. well interior offensive linemen no uh, tackle might be yes because i think even even with the mccalil pick they picked a great player uh, yeah that was weird In, injuries and how much he cared about football great first year became too. a whiner did not uh that's that's not something i would call their fault they picked a great player yep. and then brian o'neill has become a really good player too yep. okay i think you guys can pick out a good tackle i think you guys can pick out a good corner definitely a good safety mm-hmm Wide receiver, though, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I, I like I like the Cordero Patterson is worth a college class on first round picks. Yeah, because that's right. he is he has a first round. Right. I left him out. Yep, that's right. So uh, did hit on Percy Harvin. So there is that weed guy. Percy, oh the weed, weed guy. guy. Yeah, always always dra- take always the, weed guy. the weed guy. Right, exactly. he dropped because he was the weed guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, an interesting show. So let's uh, get back together tomorrow. We'll have a little more fun. And we will talk a little more draft as we slowly build up to it. It's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.